We're in a series called The Blessed Life, and today we're going to take a look at the second message in that series. I want you, if you would, because I'm going to give you some time to do this, go with me in your Bible to Malachi chapter 3. That's really where we're going to focus today, and we'll get there shortly, but it'll probably take you a minute to find it. Uh, It's a small book in the Old Testament, and um, that's where we'll be based out of today. The series that we call The Blessed Life, in the first message that I preached two weeks ago, we talked about the heart issues that are involved in giving. And we actually talked about what we need to do and how to fix those heart issues. Um, Today, the title of the message is Test Me. Now, there are a couple different things that might come to mind. Um, You might think of a mother saying, don't test me, (laughs) right? Um, or we think of maybe the situation where you walked into school, um, you know, middle school, high school, whatever, you sit down and you hear the teacher say, okay, put all your things away, and you go, what test? <laughs> like, what is going on? You forgot, you didn't hear about it, whatever the case may be. Tests can be fun <laughs> uh, if you pass them, uh, but they can also be grueling. Uh, it can be hard. And uh, sometimes we want to avoid tests. How many of you ever, if you were honest in the house of God today, ditched a class on the day you knew you had a test, right? And you were like praying that somehow, some way you would be exempt from the test. You wouldn't have to do it. I know that feeling. We've all been there. Um, So we... We say, I talk about that at the beginning because there's a portion of scripture that God actually says you are to test him. He is not a father saying, don't you test me. He's actually saying, go ahead, come on, test me, test me in this. And so uh, I, I wanna talk about that from the framework of giving today. Um, how many of you get paid every week? Raise your hand, just hands up. Anybody get paid weekly? Okay. How many of you get paid every two weeks? How many of you get paid once a month? How many of you are unemployed and looking for a job? (laughs) Okay, praise God. Let's get a job for these people, okay? I believe the answer is in the house of the Lord, okay? But all of us, all of us wish that we got paid more money and more frequently. If you get paid once a month, there was a transition in your life where you went from getting paid every week or every two weeks to getting paid once a month, and that was a tough transition. I know for my household, my wife is a teacher. Let me just tell you something, okay? The, the, the longest point in human history for a teacher is December 15th to January 31st, because that 45-day period of time It's just grueling. It's like, no, this is Christmas. You know, they get paid the last working day, so they got paid on the 10th, 12th, whatever, and then they have to wait all the way till the end of January, and every year we kind of go, (gasps) you know? So I say that to say, when we get paid, we get a test. There's a test that God gives us every single payday, and it's a test of obedience. The test question, there's only one question, and it's this. Whom are you going to thank for your income? That is the real question and the only question of the test. 
Whether you believe it or not, the truth is, and we have this come up from time to time in church history. I've had people ask me questions about it before. I hope to answer some of those questions today. I've heard people say, well, tithing's an Old Testament thing. So is do not murder. (laughs) I mean, right? Okay, so just use that logic and stick with me, okay? But we've heard all kinds of questions. Tithing is 10%. That's what you've heard, and that is true. It really means one-tenth. So do I have to do that off my birthday money? Do I have to do it off my tax return? There's a million different questions on things like that. And so I want to talk to you today about what it looks like for you to actually honor God every single time you receive income. Amen? So what we do with the first portion of our income demonstrates our priority. So I say that to say, and I try to keep this lighthearted and fun because it's talking about money and yeah, I don't want you grumpy. I want you to be a cheerful giver. Okay, so does God, by the way. But um, here's the deal. If you get paid midnight on Thursday, I don't expect you to get in your car in your pajamas and go to the ATM and get cash out and drive by the church and slip it underneath the door, okay? If you're going to do that, just text me and let me know. We'll make sure we deposit it the next morning. But the idea is this, the first portion that comes out of your income demonstrates your priority. And it's from all income streams. Had a meeting this week um, with somebody who's interested in giving something that's different than just cash money to the church. I praise God for that. An income stream that isn't just $20, you know, like it's not just green cash in their hand. That's a great thing that they're interested in honoring God with all their streams of income. This is what the tithe is. So let me give you a couple truths this morning. Then I'm gonna give you a couple points and then I'm gonna give you some homework Everybody say amen. Amen. All right, truth number one. The tithe belongs to God, not you. And really, if I could edit on the fly and change this this morning after I'd sent the notes already, all of it belongs to God. Your paycheck belongs to God. The gifts you receive They belong to God. He allows us to be stewards of those things. So when we think about it, the tithe belongs to God, not to us. So when we read in Malachi chapter three in a minute, God's going to accuse his people of actually stealing and robbing from him. And I think we still have that temptation even today, thousands of years later. Truth number two about the tithe, and this is so important, is you can bring it, but you can't give it. I want you to think about that for just a moment. I try to be careful in the way that I word things. When we talk about bringing our tithe and giving our offering, the reason why we make that distinction is because it's not mine to give, it's God's and I'm bringing it back to him. Whereas an offering, we say, you know what? The Lord's blessed me and I wanna bless the church. You know, what do you need? Can we take one of those missionaries off of the wait list and start supporting them? Whatever the case may be. That's above and beyond. That's what you're giving that's out of your resources. 
So it's important that you understand that truth, that you can bring the tithe, but you don't give it. Look at Malachi chapter three. We're gonna read several verses here. Verse six, God is speaking to the people and he says this, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Go back to that verse. I want you to think about this. He's saying in casual terms, you're lucky I don't change because I would have killed you by now. Because you're not consumed. I made a promise and I'm keeping that promise. Look at verse seven. From the days of your fathers, you've turned aside from my statutes and you've not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Like, what should we do? Verse eight, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? God's answer in your tithes and contributions, in your tithes and in your giving. I wanna stop there for just a moment. Look up at me and listen to me. If the Holy Spirit, if you feel the urge, the, the spiritual urge, that sense of faith that says when a missionary's here or when there's a need presented, you feel that dollar amount hit and you say, you know what, I, really, I should give $100 to that. If you quiet that voice, you are living in disobedience to God. It could be $10, it could be whatever. People have come to me before and given me personal gifts that they said the Lord spoke to them and gave to me. And let me just tell you, nine time, 10 times out of 10, it has been a gift in a moment of absolute need in my life. And God spoke to somebody else to be able to help meet that need. It's an incredible thing when you think about it. So God is saying to his people in verse eight, he says, how, they say, how have we robbed you? which is kind of a, a bold statement to ask God. And he replies in your tithes and in your giving. Verse nine, you've been cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole lot of you, the whole nation of you. Verse 10 to 12 says this, bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. That right there is incredible when you think about the significance of the creator of heaven and earth who says, test me in this, and I will guarantee you, I'm going to open the windows of heaven and pour down a, a blessing on you, so much so that there will be no more need. Continue reading, it says this, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Man, this is good. Then all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. So he's going to pour out a blessing upon them, 
upon us until there is no more need. Then he says, I will rebuke the devourer and I will cause him to not be able to devour your crops or destroy your soil, your vine or anything like that. And all the nations of the earth will call you blessed. It's easy for us to look at that and maybe think, well, God was speaking directly just to the Israelites and he's talking about a land mass and we're not really those people. Listen, you are in the family of God now. You're part of the promises of God that reside and come through the Old Testament even to us, amen? So we've got to truly believe that God is the provider of the harvest and of our increase. God is the one who's responsible. We plant but he always gives the increase and, and the harvest. Uh, look back at verse nine. It says that you're cursed with a curse. I was thinking about that this week, and I thought that, you know, along the lines of disobedience, when my kids are disobedient, they receive a punishment. Uh, if I find out about it, <laughs> they receive a punishment. God is saying they're going to receive a punishment and they're living under a punishment. And if I'm to read it correctly, that there's a lack in their life that the nations of the world are not calling them blessed and that their crops are being devoured by what seems to be a supernatural force against them. They're cursed with a curse because they're living in disobedience. And we as God's kids are to live in obedience to him. Our God is a curse breaker. We talk about him being a promise keeper and that's awesome. But a step beyond that is the fact that any curse spoken against the people that are his people, God says his desire is that he break that and that there not be any hold on you. We pray all the time for something called deliverance for people who are stuck and trapped in sin under a curse and a punishment of sin. We pray for deliverance. And so we believe that God is a deliverer who wants to break the curse of the devourer. And he reserves 10% for himself and he gives us this test. If you keep it, you're stealing from God. But if you bring it, you'll pass the test. And I didn't say that, God's word says it. So tithers consistently say, oh, we're so blessed. God just keeps blessing us. Man, we're just, and then there are, there are definite moments in life where there are struggles and stresses and whatever it may come. But non-tithers are always the ones who seem to say, I just can't afford to tithe. Listen to me you will never be able to afford to tithe until you start. <clears throat> you just won't. You'll find something else to pay for. You'll find something else to buy. Something else will break. You've got to make the priority God first. In Joshua chapter six and seven, the Israelites had just seen the walls of Jericho fall. And some of the Israelites, look up at me and just listen. We're not gonna go there and read the whole passage. Joshua six and seven, you can read it later this, this week. The Israelites have seen Jericho's walls fall. How many of you remember the story? Just shoot up your hand. Okay, I know, I know you know what I'm talking about. They leave from that city which they did not destroy or conquer. It was not by their might, but it was by God himself doing something miraculous. 
God said, all of this city belongs to me. I did this and I'm providing an open door of opportunity for you to get into the promised land. You know what some of these yahoos did? They went running through the city and found some glittery golden things that were shiny and they stuffed them in their pockets and put them in their bags and then they carried on. The next place they get to, they immediately experience defeat. And God says to Joshua, something's wrong. <laughs> Actually, Joshua starts the conversation. Um, hey, God, you brought us into the promised land, and here we are, like, really, our pride suffering. We just got defeated. And God says to Joshua, these are Pastor Dexter's words, but they're just casual, so you understand it. God says, clean out the camp. There are people that have stolen things that belong to me. And then you know what? A blessing comes. And all of a sudden, victory started coming after that because they cleaned out. The, the Bible says literally Joshua woke up, fixed the problem the next morning, the first thing the next day. And then all of a sudden, they began to live under the blessing of God's hand and favor again. You can't tell me that that's just some wild coincidence. That's a principle. So in Malachi chapter three, God uses strong words suggesting these strong emotions as he's saying that he's been robbed. How many of you felt robbed at the pump lately? <laughs> Anybody seen that, the memes and the, the pictures going around on Facebook about the people calling the police? They just got robbed at Kroger gas station or whatever, you know, and the police showed up and said, no, it's just the pump, you know. It, they didn't actually get robbed. Uh, times are tough out there. And I don't, I, I don't know what the status of the world will be. I, I read about Applebee's, uh, a franchisee, which is a person who owns several dozen franchises of Applebee's, wrote a letter to all of his, um, to his management team, I guess, and said that uh, essentially he thinks that they should start their, their wages lower for the people who are coming into their business right now because they, they've got to make it up somehow, some way. And I think to myself, wow, the state of the world that we're in, it, there's not a whole lot of human hope in, in moments that we're facing with inflation, with all of these things. I'm presently technically unemployed. I understand. I get it. Some of us in here understand and get it. It's still important to obey. He wants to break the curse. So point number one is this. Tithing is a test. <clears throat> God is testing your heart. The word tithe does come from a Hebrew word meaning tenth. That's why... <clears throat> That's why we talk about it in that way. So everybody shout out the answer like you're in a classroom. What is 10% of 100? <laughs> Some of you hesitated like, I'm not sure I had enough coffee. I don't want to be wrong on this. Listen, that's why we have calculators on our phones. I know I didn't give you much time for that pop quiz. But here's why I think God chose 10. Because it's a percentage that's fair for everyone. Doesn't matter if you make 30,000 a year. 300,000 a year, 3 million a year, 10% is 10%. And it shows up a lot in the Bible. 
actually, and it correlates with tests all the way throughout the Bible. How many plagues were brought on the Egyptians? Ten. How many commandments are there? A bit more obscure, but you might find this interesting. Jacob's wages were changed ten, ten times. You think you've experienced a high or a low in your salary? Jacob's wages were changed ten times. How many days was Daniel tested? The Bible says ten. He was tested for ten days. How many virgins were tested in the book of Matthew in chapter 25? It says there were 10. So I'm not a numerologist. I'm not going to tell you that every time the word 10 shows up in the Bible, it's a test. I'm just telling you there's something pretty significant there that all the way throughout Scripture in these different areas, this number 10 keeps showing up. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? 10. How many disciples were there? I was waiting to see if you're awake. I just wanted to check. I just wanted to check. So tithing is a test, okay? See, I'm so glad we're having fun. There's something most people don't realize, though. It's not just a test for you. It's a two-way test. It's the only place in Scripture that God says that you can test him. In fact, if we were to superimpose our own casual words, my paraphrase, over the rest of the instructions throughout the Bible... God would be underlying saying, don't test me in this. Don't you test me in the faithfulness of your marriage. Don't you test me in stealing. Don't you test me in the only place he says, test me is in this. So side note, tithing happens as soon as the money becomes yours. So remember that. So if you get paid weekly, don't wait until the end of the month to make your tithes. Because the problem is you're not going to have your tithes by the end of the month. And you've got to hear me. I preach this as a message series throughout my ministry because I believe in the validity of it, not because I'm desperate for you to put more money in the offering. I'm telling you, and I've told you before, and I know it's a bold statement, but God's got this with or without you. He's got it with or without me. God's got this. So it's a two-way test, and we've got that test every single time. So don't wait, don't hesitate, because as we tell our kids, delayed obedience is disobedience. I didn't say finish your game, your show, and then go take out the trash. I said stop what you're doing and go obey. It's a good thing. Man, we're missing that in this generation. Um, Moving on, um, number two, tithing is biblical. You need to know that it's biblical. A lot of people don't believe that it's in the Bible um, because they just choose not to look. Um, But uh, a lot of people actually say, well, yeah, it's biblical in the sense that it showed up in the Old Testament. But I already gave you that example of the Ten Commandments, that being in the Old Testament. The idea is this, though, It actually shows up hundreds of years before the law was given. And Jesus talks about it hundreds of years later. Jesus talks about it during his ministry. And he doesn't say something that we would love to hear. (laughs) 
He doesn't say, hey, listen, when I go to the cross, when I rise from the grave, y'all don't have to give it any more money. It's all yours. (laughs) He actually encourages tithing in his ministry. I'm so proud. Let me just say this. I'm so proud to pastor a church where the majority of you tithe and do so regularly. We get notifications, the bookkeeper gets notifications about online giving, reoccurring payments, uh, you know, the 15th midnight things show up because people got paid and they send in that automatic thing. We have bill pay people who do it through a digital service through their bank and envelopes show up at the church. Your, your gift goes in the giving box. You can text to give. There's so many different opportunities and ways for you to do it. We have no excuse not to, but I want to show you where it shows up before the law and show you where it shows up after. Genesis chapter 14. Why don't you go there really quickly? Genesis 14, verse 18 to 20. It says, And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high. Verse 19, And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. Verse 20, and blessed be God most high who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. This is 500 years before the law ever shows up. Many theologians believe that Melchizedek is actually this that is a, like a symbolism or a person that could symbolize the second person of the Trinity, like an embodiment of God himself. We don't know his history. There's no, uh, there's no chronological order of who his parents were. We're not told any details hardly at all about this person, yet he is the one who's shown up and Abram's there and Abram talks to him and Abram gives him a tenth of everything and then immediately after, God commands his blessing. Scripture says about Melchizedek, he has no genealogy, no mother, no father, no beginning of days, and no end of life. So he's a type of Christ, and he's our spiritual father. And Abram, Abram being our spiritual father of our faith, tithed to him. Then in Genesis 28, verse 22, Jacob has a dream of heaven touching earth. He calls the place God's house, and he declares to God in the midst of that, Of all that you give me, I'll give a full tenth to you. So Jacob, he makes that practice. Leviticus 27, verse 30. Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, it's the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. I think God's sad when we waste his money. We're going to talk about being good stewards. We struggle with that as humans. Look at what Deuteronomy 26, verse 1 and 2 says. It says, when you come into the land that the Lord God is giving you for an inheritance, just listen to me, folks. They didn't earn this inheritance. They were given it by God. 
God is a giver. And he says, when you get into this land that doesn't belong to you, but I'm giving it to you and I'm giving you possession of it for you to live in it and be blessed. Look at what verse two says. It says, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground, which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and go to the place the Lord God chooses and make his name to dwell there. Look at verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I've removed the sacred portion out of my house and I've given it to the Levite, to the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, according to all your commandment that you've commanded me. I've not broken any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. You can stand on this promise. God, the wash machine is broke. God, I tithed. I took the sacred out of my house and I gave it. Now, Father, please help me. You can stand on this. It's not a, this is not a money-making scheme. Oh, sorry. I thought I bumped that. Glad my phone wasn't there. It's not a money-making scheme. It is you to understand that God wants to bless you and wants you to live in his blessing. You better be lucky because it's marring some of the words and that means I'm going to go faster. Okay, for those that can't see on Facebook, I spilled a bottle of water here. That's why they can't trust me with any liquids. Just, I, I feel like I've done this before. I, it's just water, y'all. It's just water. I'd rather it do that than go on the rest of all the stuff. I'm saving a couple pages. All right, so listen, keep going. Just stay focused. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus now is speaking. Jesus is speaking and he says, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you tithe of your mint and your dill and your cumin and you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness, those you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So, thank you, Miss Julie, my Vanna White. <laughs> So bring, yeah, I do have a mess. So bring, that it's fine that you bring those things, Jesus says. Bring the mint, the dill, the cumin, all of that stuff. But in the meantime, you've actually thought to yourself, hey, well, I paid my tithes. I can live how I want to. No, that's not the case. Jesus says it's not an either or, it's a both and. So it's a yes, you need to do justly and give mercy and be faithful. But at the same time, you also need to understand that you've got to give. So it's a test, it's biblical, and here's number three. Tithing is a blessing. Second Chronicles chapter 31, Hezekiah's reading the scripture and he sees these verses about tithing. And listen to me, y'all. They happen to be in an economic recession. Do you understand the Bible applies to your life today? Okay. So Hezekiah is reading and he's reading about tithing and they're in a recession and he realizes they're under a curse. The whole nation is because they're not tithing. They're stealing from God. And in verse four of chapter 31, it says this. And he commanded the people who lived in Jerusalem to give the portion due to the priests and the Levites that they might give themselves to the law of the Lord. Then look at the end of verse five. 
and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. So much was brought that storehouses needed to be built for the abundance. Then look at what verse 21 says. It says, and every work that he undertook in the service of the house of God and in accordance with the law and the commandments, seeking his God, he did with all his heart and he prospered. Every work. Pastor, it sounds like you are preaching prosperity. (laughs) It's in the scripture God wants to bless you. You say, Pastor, I'm going through a hard time financially right now. I'm doing the right thing. I'm tithing. I have done this, but yet I haven't seen the reward of this obedience yet. Trust God because tithing is a blessing. It's clear through and through. The simple truth is this. In order to save the lost and disciple believers... Money is necessary. In those days, back then, the Levites gave of their whole life to be part of the ministry. We still do that today. And so a portion of what comes into the church goes to salaries. It goes to utilities. Funds are necessary for these things. Funds are necessary in order to improve ministries, get them what they need, improve facilities. I have a list of 30 plus items in my phone of things that need, not want, need, and can be done around here. Please, I will text you the list if you're interested, okay? It doesn't require thousands and thousands of dollars. It just requires somebody to get on a ladder. It requires people to show up on a Saturday. It requires somebody but me. Not anybody but me. It just requires more than me. But funds are necessary. Tithing is what breaks the curse and rebukes the devourer. So if you had to give yourself your heart and your wallet a grade today, would it be a pass or would it be a fail? Worship team, you can join me. Here is our church's homework, okay? It's on the screen. Take notes. (laughs) This is your homework and you don't wanna miss it. If you haven't been faithfully tithing, start with your next paycheck. It's that easy, it's that simple. 10% of the paycheck and just make it happen. Something that you're probably out of practice doing, especially, and I think of some of us who do either reoccurring gifts online or bill pay through the mail that the church receives. We may not, it it just kind of comes out and we don't really think about it. But pray on payday. Pray that God blesses the tithe that you bring. Pray over it. Ask God for his help in your finances. Tell him, be bold and tell him you're putting him to the test. He wants to be put to the test in this. And then the third part of your homework is this. Be consistent. You can set it up. It takes just two minutes to do so. You can text it from your phone. That's super easy too. We can show you how to do that. That way it doesn't get forgotten about and we won't be tempted to prioritize anything else above God. Would you stand with me today? I said this earlier in the message, but in case you missed it, 
hear me and hear me well. This man, your pastor, is extremely grateful to pastor, and I am so thankful to pastor a church of our size that has a majority of people who tithe. We have college students who tithe, we have retirees who tithe, and everybody in between, part-time workers, full-time workers. I am so thankful, and I want to say thank you to those who have taken that step. Know that the Lord is with you, and that even if you can't see him rebuking the devourer, I had somebody tell me a couple weeks ago, I missed a week, so there's two checks in there. Make sure they know uh, it's not a mistake that there's two checks in there. Praise God. Listen to me. God wants to break the curse and he wants to rebuke the devourer and sometimes we can't see what he's doing. We just have to lean on him and trust him. And that's what I want you to do today because I know that our church wants to live the blessed life and that we are majority passing this test. So let me pray a blessing over you today and then the worship team's gonna lead us in this song. I realize that there might be needs in your home, in your life. I have some of my own with my family, some things that are going on with extended family members that we prayed for this morning at Pray First. The reason why we have an encore of worship is for you to connect with God. To again, to connect the message and say, God, I haven't been faithful in my tithing, but starting this week, I'm going to, you know, apply the message. But also you can just take a moment and say, Lord, save my son. Lord, heal my aunt. Lord, make a way where there seems to be no way in my finances. Whatever it is, lift it up to the Lord. So close your eyes and let's bow our heads. God of heaven and earth, you are the one we pray to. You're the author of our faith, the designer of life here on earth. You're the giver of life and sustainer of life. To you belongs everything. God, we pray that we pass the test and we pray that you hold up your end of the bargain as well. Lord, that you who have never failed and never broken your promise will come through. And Lord, that you will bless those who are tithing. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would challenge and convict those who are not Father, I pray that you would help us to live outside of the curse of the devourer and under the blessing of the creator. Lord, I pray for the needs that are represented in this house. God, there are issues in relationships, in jobs, finances, healing, salvation. God, we lift these things to you today and trust them into your hand. Lord, we know that you've got this. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray.